0: Welcome to the Wellgrad Grand Rapids Message of the Week. We hope you're encouraged, strengthened, and experienced the presence of God through this message by Jason Wimbush. I just feel to say, put, put your hand on your chest or your belly, and just stay in that atmosphere of worship and in his presence, and just say, you're in this place, you're in this place. And I rest in this place. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So there's something I feel like I need to do real quick. And that is um, not say my children's name. Because they want to put royalties behind every time I say their name. <laughs> so I'm going to do my very best. One of the things that um, I did with Dr. Leon is we, we presented to a group of people and they had to critique us on how many times we said um or something along those lines. But apparently I have something to do with my children's name quite often. So I'm gonna try not to say anything with their names. I may reference them but I will not say their names. But I say what I say because they mean so much to me. They're so much a part of my journey and a part of my life. And they've made me such a proud dad that it's hard not to say their name so I won't. <laughs> uh, amen. Is it good to be in the house of God? Yeah. Amen. I feel like we did something different to the lights, because I can see people this time, and I like that. Some people don't like people looking at them. It's not that I like people looking at me, but I like to see people, and I believe God wants us to see people. He wants you to be seen, And he sees you today. And I want you to know that he sees you so much that he will never, ever, ever, not for a minute, as one of those songs said, not for a moment, let you go. And that is his presence. Even though you may not know it, even though you may not feel it, that is his presence. And it's right there for you. You may not be at that place where you're ready for it. You may even be at that place where you don't want it. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't leave you. We were joking the other night at art group and those that are in the art group will remember this. We were kind of thinking about Jesus in a very strange way. We were thinking of him like a horror movie. When you're in a horror movie, the person's running like crazy, right? And they trip and they fall. And here comes the killer behind them and they just walk up and they're just right there. They're always just right there. They always seem to catch up, even though the other person is running for their lives. But Jesus is the exact same way. We can run from him as much as we want and you turn around and, oh, there's Jesus. (laughs) And it's not so terrifying, it's a little shocking, Because what he wants us to realize is I'm still right here when you're ready. If this is the time that you've tripped and you've fallen, I'm right there to pick you up. I'm right there to pick you up. And is that not so good to know that he is right there? So I want to talk today more on the presence of God. It means so much to me. It breaks my heart. It's so good. It takes all the religiousness out of it. It takes all the do's and don'ts. And it's like he's saying, who cares? You're in my presence. When we're in his presence, the things of life fade away. It doesn't mean they go away, but there's a moment that we stop and we recognize his presence is here for me right now. And what I feel God is wanting us to understand is we need that more. There's two songs I've been listening to this week by Kim Walker Smith. Don't be in a hurry and make room. And I feel like that's something God wants to do in our lives and to recognize, am I always in a hurry? Then we need to make room. We need to come to that place and we need to stop and say, Holy Spirit, I desire your presence. I make room for you right here and right now. And even as we said a moment ago, you are here in this place. And so what is it to understand God's presence in another facet? I'm still dwelling on Pastor Matthew's word about his omnipresence. I love that so much. It's like it's, it's hard to understand the fullness of omnipresence. And when I think about that, to know that he's omnipresent, he's right here, right now. But here's the other thing, like I said a moment ago. There's that part where we need to understand he will never leave us or forsake us. But we have the choice to engage in his presence. We have the choice to decide, how am I going to be a part of what he is doing and wants to do in my life? What is my part in it? and to be able to stop and think, have I been in a hurry? Do I not take time to give him the room that he so deserves? And if so, why is that? What keeps me from going to another level of his presence? What takes me to a place that I've never ever been before that is that life-altering place that needs to change? Is it possible I need to make some more room for him? Is it possible that I've been too much in a hurry going from one thing to the next? Even if it's something that's of God, we need to stop and say, God, but you, I want you to be a part of this. I don't want to preach this word without your anointing because the anointing from yesterday the oil has gone stale and old and I need a fresh anointing I need your presence like I've never needed it before and where are you in that walk right now maybe you're at that place where you go I've sensed his presence but there's something down deep within me that's bubbling up from my belly that says there is more than what I had yesterday and I want something new I want something fresh and what it amounts to is, where am I at in my walk in the spirits? Where am I at living in the spirits? And I came to these verses that I felt like God led me to the other day when I was walking with Him. He brought me to Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to go to verse 16 and then 25. And it simply says, I say then, walk in the Spirit's and you shall not fulfill the lust of your flesh. When I stop and just think about that part, walk in the Spirit, and then you won't do the things that you shouldn't do. a matter of fact, the more you walk in the Spirit, what you'll find is the more you begin to fall in love with Him, that those things that were lust, those strong desires you no longer love because you've been in His presence so much, those things are just not good enough they just don't fulfill. They just don't cut it anymore. But there's something that says, now I'm addicted to Jesus. Now I'm addicted to his presence. Because this happens in verse 25. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. We begin to live in that place. Where are you living? Where am I living? I don't say that to make any accusations, but this is what I feel. God has been saying to me probably over the last year, "Where am I living? Where am I residing? Where is my room and in that room is there enough room for him?" That is living and walking in the spirits. There are times that there are walking in the spirit and then there's times I just sit in the spirits. And when I see the spirit, I want you to understand When you think Holy Spirit, I don't know what you think, but I think his presence. That's the word that comes to my mind. That is, he has just come into my space, and I have come into his space. He may have always been there before, but there was something blocking me from seeing and feeling him. Now I'm living in a moment with my creator, my maker, my everything, my all in all. Oh, Jesus, the one who saved me and died for me. Do we take the time to stop and sit and think about that? As soon as you stop what you're doing and begin to think about that, you've just invited him in. You've just opened the door. You've just opened the floodgates, and something begins to change. And I believe God wants more change. And it's not to say, oh, shame on you or oh, shame on me. It's because he loves us so much. I keep coming back to that verse in 2 Corinthians, and it's just the first few ver- or few, first few words of the text. And it says, for the love of Christ compels me. When you get to that place where you feel this compelling feeling, you are living in his spirit. That there's nothing else in life that's going to drive you so much as that love. That's the difference. That's like the, the thing that breaks every other deal that there is to have offered to you out there, is when that love comes in so much, that's the power of his love that changes things. Amen? I promised Jeremy I would actually take this cup and take a drink of it. I always forget, and I need water so desperately. So, <laughs> Oh, that tastes good. Yes, amen. I want to go to Psalms 91. It's a familiar verse or chapter. And I was studying yesterday, and I was all over the place, man. I was ADD in the Bible like there was no tomorrow. I'm like, where do you want me to land, God? The time is ticking away. Huh? Oh, why do you not come early ever? <laughs> and, then, and then all of a sudden, All of a sudden, I don't know what it was, I have no idea because I was so ADD, that all of a sudden this just jumped out at me. And when I began to read these verses, and I don't know how it's gonna come out right now, but I began to preach myself happy as I read these verses. Yeah, bring in the cleanup crew. But here's the thing, sometimes you can read God's word and you can read the context of those scriptures and it's just kind of nice and easy and smooth and relaxing, but I found myself getting bold with it. Nobody was home except Dapper, our dog, and I'm walking up and down the hallway with my Bible open and I'm just like, something is flowing out of me right now that I haven't felt in a long time and I think my dog's getting saved. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if that's possible or not. But boy, he followed me back and forth. And I'm like, oh, man. And I just felt like there's something to that. He's following me back and forth. And here's the thing. And I'm just going at it. And I'm just saying, God, your word is so good right now. Oh, I'm speaking it with the boldness that's putting, putting something within me that's feeling real good. And Dapper's walking right behind me. And I began to see this. Is that not what our life is supposed to be like? There should be so much of God's love that compels us that people are drawn to us. So much so it's one thing if we go out into the streets and the highways and byways and we see them. But is it not more exciting when they go, what do you have? Because I see something in you that I don't see in somebody else. That is something that's different because guess what? The door has just been open at that point in time. They just said, I welcome you to come in. I didn't even ask if I could come in. Would you rather be welcomed in or would you rather be the one knocking on that door hoping they will open up? because if they're not ready to open up, it's just like talking to a wall. But when they go, like dapper, and they follow me wherever I go, it's because they see something in me and it's got nothing to do with me, but what my little doggy's seeing is Jesus in my home. Look out when that happens. But that's what I wanna say, is that's that walking and living in the spirit. But where is the place that we're living? And I want you to be honest and real and think about where are you living? What's going on in your life? What's your walk look like? And I don't say that to condemn. Really more than anything else, I say it to go, I feel there is so much more. There is so much more. Maybe you are in a place where you're stuck. There is still so much more than the place of being stuck. There really is. So let's get into verse 1 of chapter 91 of Psalms. It says, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. The first thing I notice there is those who live in. Where am I living in? When I think about this, it says, those who live in the shelter of the Most High. The best shelter there is, is the one in the Most High. But I can tell you this, I have seen some people's shelters, and they're in the place that I live. I see it downtown, and there's a tarp over top of them in the middle of the night while they're trying to stay warm. I see them under the overpasses. I see them on every corner asking for money, and they're finding this place that they call a shelter, and that's where they're living. But the reality is, is, what type of shelter are you living in? See, I can have a home that I've made and I can be outside and all of a sudden the rains come in and I run for shelter to come back home to be protected from the rain. I can run down into my basement when those sirens go off, when there's a tornado, because the safest place is in the basement, right? But sometimes we just run to something that's shelter that just seems like it's all that we can get to, it's all that we can find. When God says, I want to be your shelter, and I am the shelter that is the most high, that means it is the best shelter that you can ever possibly find. So where is that place that I'm living? And then it says that you will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Is that not the presence of God? Is that not the place where we are to reside is that not the place where we should buy, abide and remain? That's the place of rest when we're under his shelter. That may mean we need to get out from underneath what we think is protection. Because shelter speaks of protection. But what do I think this is protecting me? I have found in my own life That there are things that I live in a manner that is a way of acting like I'm protecting myself by not letting someone else in. And what I have found is that it's just me, myself, and my stinking eye. That ain't no fun. It's a whole lot more to enjoy life with someone else. And I've got to get out from underneath that protection that lived in a place of fear because of things that had taken place in my life. I had to say there is no place in this home for fear. I've got to take this thing off of me and go and remain and rest in my God. Verse 2, it says, Then I declared about the Lord, He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust Him, for He will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly diseases. When I look at that verse 2, when I look at that word, he alone is my refuge. And when I think of refuge, I also think of refugee. And a refugee is someone that has lost their place in their country. They've come to a place where disaster has struck. They may be under persecution and they got to get out of dodge and they got to leave everything behind. I had a coworker that lived in Romania. And she fleed that country with her life and her children and her husband. Has anybody lived that? Exactly. Welcome to America. But the reality is, is we are still a refugee. Because we have been lost and now we have been found and now we have our refuge in Jesus Christ. He is my place of safety. He is my God in whom I trust. When I run to him as someone who has been lost and broken, and even though I'm healed, I need to remember to run to him as my refuge, as that place where I can say I trust in him. But when I do things in my own self, I'm putting trust in me. And guess what's not there at that moment? I no longer have the sense of God's presence. I have no longer this sense of living in the Spirit, but living for me, as if I'm better than him. In that very moment, I have made myself my own idol. And that's not what I am called to be. And that's not what I'm called to do, and I'm not. Because ultimately, I can protect myself as much as I want. But he says, I will protect you. When I look at these verses, he says he will rescue you. He will protect you. In verse 4, he will cover you. He will shelter you. It's all about you. It kind of sounds selfish, but it's more about not me talking about me. It's about all the things he has for us. And I think that's one of those things we need to stop and don't be in a hurry and go, what has God done? done for me. Take a moment and rest in that and see how God is moving in your life. Verse four, he will cover you. I'm going to stop right there. First and foremost, we must know he has already covered everything that we need to have covered in our lives. Another thing that I keep finding, I've walked with the Lord a long time now, but I am seeing What Jesus did to greater depths, to greater magnitudes, to really understand and have this sense each and every day, he already covered me. He already covered me. Whatever you're going through, he's already covered you. Why do I not line up with that? Why do I live in this place that says, I don't know how I'm going to cover these bills, I don't know how I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to take care of that. We're missing at that point in time. I'm living back into my own self versus in his presence that says, Jesus, you've got this. And I'm just along for the ride with you. I'm going to partner with you. I'm going to walk with you and see how you're going to do this. I'm going to do whatever you say to do. Jesus was someone that walked with the Spirit more than anyone that I can possibly think of. And he says, I just do what my Father tells me to do. He didn't have to figure it out. He didn't have to figure out what am I going to do. He basically said, my daddy's going to cover this. Children think of parents the same way. Is that a model of what Jesus is? We cover things for our kids. We got this covered. I take you out to lunch, I buy you clothes, I do all these things. They just take it, but sometimes they take and take and take and take and take and then they're living for themselves versus living in the presence of the grace and mercy of mom and dad. I'm a child of God Am I living in a place to say, thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy right now? To stop in that moment and say, I just received that grace. I receive that mercy right now in Jesus' name. Just to take a moment and, and put my hand on my chest these days. I do this a lot. And when something comes to me, it's just like, Jesus, seal that word on my heart. I can't remember it all, but I know you'll bring it back to my remembrance, but I just want to take this moment and acknowledge your speaking and that's your presence because you're right here. I'm hearing your voice because you're right here. And this is where you deposit it, right here. But then I go on with verse four and he says, for he will cover you with feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. And what I think about is, I could talk about my children, but I can talk about what it's been like to be the privilege to be a dad. And I'm sure every dad can feel the same way and every mother can feel the same way. When you think about when your little one gets hurt and they come running to you and you scoop them up in your arms. And when I think about this verse here, and I see this eagle's wings. But what I see is this love that comes in so tenderly and comforts that little one. And says, it's going to be okay. I've got you. I've got you. That knee can be just bleeding like a stuck pig. But daddy's right there. And he's going, I've got you. And what do you do? This is a hint. Make sure you buy a red washcloth. And you put it on that knee. And they don't know that it's bleeding anymore. And you go, daddy's got this. Mommy's got this. And they begin to calm down. And it begins to fade away. Is that not how faithful he is? It says he is faithful to his promises. And then it's our armor and our protection. When dad comes in and scoops you up. Or mom comes in and gives you the most loving, nurturing hug. To say I love you and it's going to be okay. Do you not feel like there's armor wrapped around you? Like it doesn't matter what is going on around me but I am protected by the love of my mom, by the love of my dad, or the love of Jesus. Do we live thinking about him and his armor of protection as love and safety? We can think about it as this awesome armor to make us strong, but do we look at it as a sense that it protects me in such a way there is nothing this world can throw at me that's going to hurt me because the armor of God is the love of God. It's his protection that keeps me in the place where I belong. It says, Do not be afraid of the terror of the night, in verse 5, nor the arrows that fly in the day. Do not dread the diseases that stalk in darkness, nor the de- disasters that strike in midday. I think about some of the words that are being used there. The word terror. Anybody ever been scared? Who hasn't? Come on now. Come on now. Man, did you ever get in trouble with your parents and you knew when they were coming home you were gonna get it? Man, that was every day of my life. (laughs) It's like, oh man, I remember one night riding my bike on my paper route acting like I was collecting for the press. I wasn't collecting anything, man. I was driving around scared to death to go home because I knew what was coming. And that was terror to me. That other word that really stands out to me is disaster. And I had this coworker that worked for me. I managed about 20 stores for Meyer, and I had a store manager and he would call me every so often. It's a disaster in here. The back room is terrible. There's no chips on the shelf. It's a disaster. I had two people call in. It's a disaster. The next day, an email. Oh, it's a disaster here. Oh, oh, it's a disaster. And finally, I realized, this dude says this all the time. So I picked up the phone, and I said, listen, do you know what a disaster is? Do you know what a disaster is? Are you in another third world country in war under fire by bullets? Are you like they were in Bible times where they didn't have guns? They just took clubs and beat each other over the head? You want to talk about disaster? You got nothing, man. What's the matter with you? Quit calling it a disaster. This is a grocery store. The world is not going to come to an end if there's not your potato chip on the shelf. They probably still got a half a bag at home, but it's crumbs and they don't want to pick up the individual ones and eat it. This is not a disaster. You're not going to get fired because two people left. Because your back room is a mess and Meyer management is getting on your case, what are they going to do? Kick you out? No, because then they would have to stock the shelf. This is not a disaster. I say all these things because here's what happens in our lives. We live in a place of terror. We live in a place of disaster. And we get stuck there and we begin to say that. What are you saying in your life that makes it so much worse than what it really is? And then sometimes we have to step back and go, is this really that bad? it is not really that bad. But what we are not really doing more than anything else, because even if you were in a real disaster, or even if you were in a country where there were terrorists that were willing to take your life for what they felt was a good cause, that may be real terror and there may be real disasters, but where are you living in that moment? Jesus wants us to know his presence is so real that in the midst of the worst scenario that you can imagine, you can invite his presence in. You can invite his presence in. And then to understand what he wants you to know more than anything else, I want you to live right here in my glory with my Holy Spirit, who is what? The Comforter. Amen? Now, Verse 7 says, and I'm going to brace you right now. We're going to go to verse 7. When we go to verse 8, we're going to go to the Jason Wimbush translation just for a hot minute. Okay, I'm just giving you a heads up. So, verse 7. Though a thousand fall at your side, and though ten thousand are dying around you, this evil will not touch you. Just open your eyes and shut your mouth. Because <laughs> then it says this and see how the wicked are punished. See, what we do is oftentimes we close our eyes and we got things that we think we need to say when really we're just saying the wrong things. What we should be saying is what does God's word say? See, when you look at Psalm 91 and you start to read it like you believe it, You don't get all soft and cuddly with it. You start arising, and you start getting bold with it. You start declaring it. You start prophesying it over your life to say, this word is for me. If no one else takes it, I'll take it because I'm going to believe it, and I'm going to invite his presence to come into this situation. Again, it says in verse 9, If you make the Lord your refuge and you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. Verse 11. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. You ever stop and really think about that? And if so, how often do you stop and think about that? I think about this. If if I'm walking in the Spirit, if I'm walking in his presence or if I'm walking and I'm not, what does that look like? So this is what I'm imagining. If I'm just kinda walking like this, I got my hand in my pocket, my head's down, I'm kinda slouched, that doesn't look like living in the spirit, does it? And maybe at this point in time right now, I got that self-talk that is not inviting to the Holy Spirit, because it's about me, myself, and I. Oh, woe is me. But then when I look at this verse and I begin to say, For he will order angels to protect me wherever I go. And I begin to dwell on that. No matter where I go, I'm going into something scary. But God, you're sending your angels. And my posture begins to change. God, you sent them to protect me. You said you will send them with me wherever I go. That all of a sudden, when I begin to read Psalm 91, I can lift up my head high with confidence because I know his presence is with me. It's that omnipresence that's there. And not only is it there, I know it's there because now I'm speaking it. I'm living it. I'm lining up with it. And I'm believing in it because I know that God wants to do something with my life. So if I walk like this, It's going to attract something different than when I walk, oh, woe is me. Because when we walk with our head held up high and we got something good to say versus something down to say, how was your day? Well, all right, stop right there. Open your eyes and shut your mouth. And let's get into God's word and let's get back to what God said. Because if you really believe what God says, then you'll start saying it yourself. You don't just read it and try to just, oh, I just read my scripture today. No, you got to read it with some oomph. You hear what I'm saying? You got to say it like, man, this is everything to me. This is everything to me because it's meant to be everything to you. It says in verse. 12, they will hold you up, speaking of these angels, they will hold you up with their hands so you won't ever hurt your foot on a stone. At first I'm like, really? Come on, it's just a stone. But he's so into the details of your life. A little stone. He will lift you over it because he cares so much about you and set you on the other side. Man, does he care for us. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. I like the idea of crushing serpents. I don't like snakes. My problem is if I crushed them, I would get freaked out because they still slither. It's just not right. Pitchfork. Yeah, but I'd have to like, (laughs) I don't want to look at it. And then it says in verse 14, the Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. Last night I heard at the prophetic, you guys were listening for a song. While I was home preparing, I heard a song and I didn't know what you guys were talking about. And it's a song by Stevie Wonder that says, I just call to say I love you. And I mean it from the bottom of my heart. That's as much as I'm going to sing for you. That was a step of faith right there. There was a point in time where that was a ringtone. I don't know whether it was on Jennifer's phone or my phone. But when I read these verses, this is what I thought. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, and I thought about that ringtone... And I thought about this. We can live our lives. I love Jesus. I love God. The husbands and wives, when you don't say that to one another, do you feel the love tonight? Speaking of another song. Do you feel the love tonight? But what if you just got to that point where you just said this, Jesus, I just realized how much you love me. And as I think about that, I just need to call and say, I love you, and I mean it from the very depths of my heart. And then when he says, I will answer. Is it possible that certain things come in our lives because he's like, hey, what is it gonna take for me to get your attention? Maybe. But I think all he wants Because as he chases us down, and he chases us down, he just wants us to engage with his presence. I want to go quickly over to James, or John, excuse me, 15, as I close. These are familiar verses. John 15, 1 through about 9, and it says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Or abide in me and I will abide in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And unless the fruitful excuse me, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce fruit. Now, when you stop and look at that, his presence is always there. He's given us the opportunity to understand, I'm in you. He's in you. Am I in him? That's when his presence comes in. But then when it says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Any, anyone who does not remain in me will be thrown away like a useless branch that withers. See, sometimes we're walking in life in a way that we are not walking in his presence. We are not living in his presence. We are living like an old, dried up, withered branch and we're getting no life. But Jesus is here today to say, I want to give you life and life more abundantly. I believe as I read the last portions here it says, but if you remain in me and I, and my word remains in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Do you wanna ask him for anything and he'll give it to you? I always thought about what if I asked for something that I shouldn't? See, I think the reality is is the more you remain in his presence and he remains in yours, the more all you will want is what he wants and he will give it to you. And he will give it to you. So as I close here, I just wanna encourage you. Where are you living? How are you walking? Because the last part here says, let me back up here, verse seven again. But if you remain in me and my word remains in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, You are my true disciples, and this brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. See, when you stay so in love with his presence and being in his presence, it will change you in such a way that you will produce fruit, which is nothing more than to say you will reproduce after what's going on in your life in someone else's life. We are called, as Dr. Leon would say, to be reproducers. And the easiest way to really do that, in my opinion, is to fall so in love with his presence that the reality is, is that people become drawn to you. I'm always amazed about the ark and what was drawn to the ark. I believe we are the ark that people are supposed to be drawn to because His presence is so real in our lives. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you were impacted by this message. For more information about the Well Grand Rapids, please visit our website at www.thewellgr.com.